Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, doing fantastic. Glad to be back in studio this week. I was remote last week, and of course, you pulled it off with the interview, Seymour Snot. And talking about interviews, we got a big one tonight, folks. One half of the Fantastics, one of the most legendary tag teams there is, Bobby Fulton, going to be live with us right here uh, on Brawl for All tonight. Stevie, you worked out the interview with Bobby. Tell us a little bit about it and uh, how excited you are to do the interview. Uh, definitely, like you said, one of the Legendary tag teams of all time, the Fantastics, of course, Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers, went all over, uh, started out uh, in Mid-South and was in world-class championship wrestling in Texas. Everybody remembers their legendary feud with the Midnight Express when they came over to the Crockett's and NWA. Uh, I think the Great American Bash, 88, with the, the they had Jim Cornette in a cage in a in a... <laughs> What do you call it? a straight jacket match, I guess is what you call it. And, uh That was one of the legendary matches with the Midnight Express. But uh, just a great tag team. Been a lot of experience and still wrestling today. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, he's he's doing his fantastic finale tour right now. It's going to end his career. So we've got a lot to talk about with him. I've got a lot of questions. He was really excited. When I chatted with him a little bit last night to get on the show, I told him I didn't know if we would have enough time for me to ask him all I wanted to ask him. I, I got a lot of questions for him, and I'm sure you do too. I do, and we were obviously excited to have him uh, on the show tonight. Coming up around 7.30 tonight, uh, one half of the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton. He is on the Fantastic Finale Tour, uh, uh, and we're excited to have him here tonight. He'll be joining us around 7.30 p.m. tonight and we do want to talk about some other things going on in advance of that first and foremost last night's wwe hell in a cell it was a raw pay-per-view and of course uh for the very first time and we'll talk about this some for the very first time in history 
special event, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it, headlined by women. And I'd like to note, I feel like they pulled it off. Um, It was one of the best matches of the night by far. Charlotte wins the Raw Women's Championship inside the Hell in a Cell, the first time not only that they've headlined a pay-per-view event, but that they have uh, been inside the Hell in a Cell. What do you think last night's match did for the women's division? Well, like we talked about last week, Lance, it, it is, the women's division is, is probably at an all-time high right now as far as recognition and, and having the kind of athletes that they've got right now. I mean, Charlotte and Sasha put on a show last night. They took – Sasha especially took some incredible bumps, especially for a girl her size. And I'm sure she was feeling it this morning. But uh, a lot of – I think they pulled it off, but there's been, a you know, some mixed reaction. I think a lot of the, the veterans didn't like the fact that it was a, a women's match finishing the pay-per-view. But, you know – Take it for what it's worth. Like you said, it was probably one of the best matches of the night. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, here's how I see this. Okay, so I understand there's some talent that's probably upset that they went on. The reason they're upset is because that type of thing has just not happened before. And so they're not used to being mid-card to women who, ultimately, let's be honest, have been mid-card since the division's been around. And, uh, you know, honestly, when when Owens and Rollins went on at the point of the show that they did, I immediately, I mean, obviously, it was obvious at that point that, uh, okay, so we're going to see uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks in this main event match. And, um, but I'll tell you, you know, I, they had, they knew they had to deliver. They knew they had to deliver and they right. did deliver. And if you, if you're a top talent, how can you be upset over what happened when, I mean, they delivered. No, I, you can't. Uh, and, and I'll just get your opinion. If you're ranking the matches last night, the Hell in the Cell matches, where do you rank? How do you rank them last night? There's three of them now. How do, we'll start off. I'll start off with what I thought was the third, the last place. It was definitely Rusev and Reigns. Oh, no doubt. In my opinion. Yeah. I, I agree mean, 100%. You, just, uh, you know, this was a brawling match just most of the night. Not much special. I mean, they used the the steps a few times, but uh, I, I just it was a typical Roman Reigns Rusev match. Who, what you would see, even if they were with were against somebody else. And then I would have to go number two with Owens. I think Owens and Rollins number two. Yeah, I'm going to give Charlotte and Sasha the number one spot because they did deliver. They knew they had to, and to watch social media yesterday you knew it was going to be something special because there was so much talk backstage and and you know they were telling you to say what you want to somebody said feels electric backstage stuff like that but you just had a feeling of which you really wanted to see them succeed without the build up to it you didn't want to see them fall flat and I think they did a good job last night one thing I would have liked to have seen was it kind of known from the beginning that Charlotte and Sasha Banks would be headlining the event. Now I I see why they didn't do that because honestly, let's be honest, a stereotypical wrestling fan would probably say, are you kidding me? I mean, you've got Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, and that would probably, I don't know if it would hurt ticket sales. I don't know if it would have hurt, um, 
uh, viewership. But I can definitely say this. That is that if you watched that match last night and you ever hear of women headlining another match, in uh, another pay-per-view in the future, and think that will be a disappointment, uh, you have another thing coming. Uh, they definitely right. did the job last night. And I, and I can agree with you more. I think third place last night, definitely Roman Reigns and Rusev. See, I'm not a big fan. I, I, I know the con- everybody likes the Hell in a Cell. So the concept is, you know, one night a year, you're guaranteed to get all the Hell in a Cell you can handle. Right. Um, there's something more special to me about seeing that type of match happen when a feud's been built up so strongly that it just leads to something like that. You know, for instance, okay, so you've got TNA's lockdown pay-per-view they do. And every year, you know, at some point in the storyline, at least a, at about no later than a month before the event, we're going to start seeing a build-up to the lock, to the lethal lockdown matchup. And right. it might not mean anything because they've got to have the event, so they've got to force something into it. You know, we never saw it. When The Undertaker and Mankind went, to, or, or even more so, when The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels went to Hell in a Cell, it was a sign that it had gotten that far. It had gotten that bad. Same thing with Undertaker right. and Mankind. You know, in 1998, we talked about that last week, Hell in a Cell. When that happened, we saw it was, that, was, that was just like the last option. These guys have brawled enough. They're going to take it to the next level. And see, I now I feel like they just kind of were getting matches like Rusev and Roman Reigns, which I thought was just a dud. Yeah, just, just to have just it. to have a match, just to have a match. I, I agree, and that's 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 why that match was probably my least favorite because just for the fact that it was just like it was thrown together. I know they've had a little bit of a feud going on over the U.S. belt, but just didn't feel like an Undertaker or Shawn Michaels, like an Undertaker or Mankind feud. Right, absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I feel like even the buildup. To the women's match was better than than any of the uh, of the others. I mean, the Kevin Owens and the Seth Rollins and he, that feud, you know, not a bad job. I mean, that Raw ended the way it did the other night. It, it obviously set up a Seth Rollins loss um, on Raw last Monday night. And so, you know, the way I see it is the buildup was fine to that. Certainly don't want to discredit that, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. I felt like the whole thing between Reigns and Rusev was thrown together. And the last thing WWE wants to do when they already have the handicap of their baby face, Roman Reigns, not being as, as well received as they want him to be. The last thing they want to do is put him in a match where they're shoving it down our throats. I would think. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, definitely Roman Reigns is not over at all. Uh, that it's just kind of like we talked about before. It kind of reminds me of the, the whole Batista deal when Daniel Bryan was so popular uh, I don't know who this guy, who the guy will be that's so popular right now, like the Daniel Bryan in this situation. But you know, Roman Reigns is just being, it's, and it gets to a point where it's, it's so irritating because they're constantly pushing this guy down your throat. No offense yeah. to Reigns, and you know, I know there are a lot of Roman Reigns fans, but anytime you see him come out on TV or at a live event, he is booed heavily, and I'm surprised that they've let it go on this long without turning him heel. You know, I think they're just trying to 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 force feed a babyface to you, and it doesn't work that way. No, I'm afraid not. You know, I really am afraid not. And and so, 
what do you do? But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> I, 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 I've just kind of thrown my hands up on Roman Reigns. I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, he's just uh, he's just not exciting to me. I would argue that he's probably not that exciting to a lot of people, and I don't mean to, I don't mean no harm by it, Stevie, but just you know, the wrestling is the one bit is the one sport where the has some control over what happens next, or at least it used to be. I mean, if you go watch wrestling in the independent sector, the the crowd has direct influence over how the matches go. Exactly. And there's no other and there's no other sport like that. Well, a Roman Reigns would have been a good babyface in the late mid '80s to to up until late '90s. Uh, oh, the yeah. Hulk Hogan era. You know, to be a to be a big guy babyface, you have to have a good gimmick. You have to be in this day and time. You have to have yep. a good gimmick. You have to be able to to work the microphone and to get a crowd into it. And we've all seen Roman Reigns does not have good microphone skills. Not no. he need what he needs. And I've me and you both have talked about this before. He needs a manager. He needs to go heel and get a manager. You know, yep. could it be a a Paul Heyman or somebody like that? I don't know. But he definitely yep. needs a, somebody. To talk for him and just let him be a be a heel. I mean, it, unless they come up with something, you look at a guy like the Undertaker. The Undertaker is pretty in his time was pretty agile for a guy's size, and he had a good gimmick. And the Undertaker could cut a promo, a great promo. Yep. So you know that's that's one thing with with Undertaker. You look at Kane. Kane, when he was a babyface. Not always the best talker, but he always didn't have to. For a long time there, nobody knew Kane could talk. So, you know, it is yep. what it is. But you can't put a, a Hulk Hogan, which, uh, you know, Reigns knows three moves. He's got, like, the Hulk Hogan repertoire. He's got, like, three moves. Like, Hogan had the the, the punch, kick, and leg drop. And, right. uh, you know, but you can't do that this day and time. People look for... For more out of a, a wrestler, and you know, some, maybe it's unfair to a big guy, but they look for more out of them than what a punch, kick, and you know, the super punch uh, and, and the spear. The spear is awesome, but even Goldberg did a little bit more than a spear and a punch. He did the jackhammer. Yeah. He did all that. So, uh, you know, it, it, you got to get a little bit more out of a big guy. Well, and you know, <clears throat> you just made a comment that. Struck me. So first, yeah, and I and I agree with you. It may be unfair to the big guy now, but you got to take a look. And, and you and you know this. You look back at the the, the time period in which Bobby Fulton was wrestling, and, and all the other oh, yeah. the, the, the glory days. You know, let's be honest. The little man was a disadvantage then. You know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't about them. You know, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant headlined WrestleMania three for a reason, and that reason is that they were the, not only the biggest so far as uh, personas, stars of the day, but they were some of the biggest. I mean, literally the biggest. And um, right. you, you you just wouldn't have seen. I mean, the first. I remember the first time a Rey Mysterio headlined an event, and I remember Rey Mysterio had a brief feud with the Undertaker. I thought to myself, "Are you kidding me? I mean, is this a joke? Like, I, this can't be real." But the reality is that's about the time when we started to see the cruiserweights that used to be known as cruiserweights 
and in the WWE light heavyweights started to be uh, more widely received. And so next thing you know, we are expecting more out of the wrestlers. And so now, you know, it's not, you're right. It's not about the one big, you know, the leg drop. Oh man, look how great that was. It's about how long can you go? How can you endure? How many flips can you get off the, uh, off the turnbuckle? I mean, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a totally different story now. I and mean, what do you think made that happen? What do you think made people want to get more of that well, as opposed to the Hulk Hogan style? All right. Like I said, time to time, I'm going to show my age here. You look back in the, in the mid eighties, uh, Ric Flair was a 240-250-pound. That's the range he stayed at. Had a big feud with one of the Rock and Roll Express with Ricky Morton, and that was for the world title. Now, Morton and Flair could go for 60 minutes. Every time they fought, you know, 60, they'd go 30, whatever, and Morton carried them to the limit. But Morton was always – you always knew at that time that Morton would get the belt because of his size. He weighed maybe – 210, 220 at the most. So, right. but then you started seeing like a Rey Mysterio. And I, I'm, you're, when you said Rey Mysterio, that was pretty much the turning point because even when he was in WCW, you see him do these moves. The cruiserweight division was really hot then. But all of a sudden you look and see him, he's feuding with, with Kevin Nash. Right. So, you know, and, and pulling off some wins. And and that really showed everybody that, you know, what how much is Ray Mysterio? One fifty, one sixty, something like that. Five foot six and, and he pulls off wins like that. So I think that really got the ball rolling there and showed people that well the little guy can beat these big guys. It's not just a once in a while upset over the big guys. And people really started like to seeing seeing a variety of moves some of these guys could pull off. And then it just went from there. And, you know, look at a Daniel Bryan. Not yep. the biggest guy in the world, but could, you know, can you imagine him and Hulk Hogan in a wrestling match? You know, oh, Daniel Bryan yeah. would, would, you know, it wouldn't be close with a wrestling match. But, you know, it's, it's, it's changed so much in that time, just, just like we talked about. It's kind of role reverse now where the big guy's at a disadvantage now and the little guy is at an advantage. And people like to see the little guy with the technical skills more than a bruiser or brawler like, a, you know, Brock Lesnar now. I mean, Brock Lesnar, if he wanted to, I'm sure he could make it where he was the heavyweight champion of the world. But would people want to see that more than they would like to see Daniel Bryan come back and get the belt? I, I, I prefer watching Daniel Bryan wrestle than Brock Lesnar. Uh, personally, I would, too. I, let me tell yeah. you, it was um, March the 31st. 2014, I had the opportunity. I took my wife, Sarah Beth, to her first wrestling match. She had such a wonderful time. Uh, and I say that sarcastically. But nonetheless, uh, I had a great time. I had a great time. We were at Monday Night Raw. It was the Monday night uh, before WrestleMania 30. And at that pay-per-view, all along, they had wanted Batista versus Randy Orton. But as you said, and as we've acknowledged, the crowd was into Daniel Bryan. So they ended up making that match, if you remember correctly, a triple threat. When Daniel Bryan came out that night, that was when the yes movement was about as strong as it's ever been. I will never, ever forget how hot the crowd was. It was the crowd I had ever seen. And Daniel Bryan really personified or looking for in a wrestler now. 
I mean, I think WWE and Daniel Bryan, the Daniel Bryan problem is I'll call it because let me tell you. Now, when you tell me that I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But now we have so WWE, unlike the independents, unlike a lot of smaller promotions, WWE and so scripted that it really doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. They can't get off script. So if a show is going to go the way it's going to go, it's going to go that way, period. And that you don't have that's not necessarily the case in the independent show. And I think that wrestling, WWE has created that problem. Yeah, like you said, they feed off they feed off the crowd. And I can remember uh going to the Richmond Coliseum. This was ooh gosh, I want to say it was five or six years ago for a Monday night raw. And this was about the time Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton kinda had a ta- kinda sorta had a tag team, but the Shield, they were going against the Shield. Uh, Daniel Bryan fought Seth Rollins that night, and I'm telling you, that was one of the best wrestling matches on TV or live that I've ever seen, and I've never been in a place as loud as it got when he won that match, and the, you know, the yes chance, uh, you know, and WWE, if they couldn't see it that time, that might have been what started, but they couldn't see it that time, how popular this guy was, you know, I was like, you know, don't be so blind and not give this guy a push. But just yeah. like you said, they do get stuck to a script. They don't listen to the, the crowd. That may be changing, you know, from, from what you you hear with them sending out uh, surveys of which independent the WWE fans like to watch. That may be changing a little bit now. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see, though. Talking about, I uh, want to get back a little bit to the Hell in a Cell preview before we go live with Bobby Fulton here in just a bit. But um, I just wanted, want you to picture this for just a moment, okay? If you will. Hell in a Cell, 1945. Okay, <laughs> you heard that right. Yeah. May Young versus the Fabulous Moolo. I mean, is that a match or what? <laughs> I've never really considered that, but you know, wow, you know that's 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 something else. <laughs> I mean, I, I, forgive me, please, because <laughs> Mae Young has passed away, and I think she lived a wonderful life, and I think both? she did a lot of good. But I will tell you, yeah, both both have, yes, you're right. Um, yeah, both. But Mae Young, I, you know, I just want you to you picture know, this right give, now. I'll have Do, to give it to Mae Young. Anybody that takes. The, the Bubba Ray Dudley bomb into in the table <laughs> when she's in her 80s, you know, she's, she's got to be a tough lady. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> I had forgotten all about that. That is great. Yeah, just think about this now, okay? The Fabulous Moolah, okay? 1998, the Igloo in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. King of the Ring. We don't ever see Mick Foley thrown off the, the Hell in a Cell. Instead, we see Mae Young tossed off the hell in the cell. I mean, <laughs> she passed away. I'm probably going to take some slack for this, but just think about that. I mean, at one time, I think it's fair to say at one time, we would never have considered going into a Monday Night Raw where women headlined a pay-per-view, much less a match in which has been known as one of WWE's most brutal. And uh, they did a fine job, I think. 
Well, I mean, if you want to take it that way, you take uh, take eight of the big, uh, the biggest women stars in WWE right now, and and put them on two separate teams and put them in the War Games match. Would you ever seen that? Do you ever think you would see that? War, in my opinion, War Games is is the worst match in Hell in a Cell, and they should bring it back. I, I'm a big fan of that match. You know, the Crockett's. Dusty one of Dusty Rhodes' creations when he was Crockett was the War Games, and you know that that is a very brutal match. And who would have you would never think you would see, and I still don't think you'll see women get involved in a match like that. But who knows? They got who would ever thought they would be in hell in a cell? I would uh, never ever have suspected that. Um, but I think overall, the women salvaged the event from being a mediocre event to being a pretty good one. And uh, I think we're heading now, obviously, to Survivor Series, which we'll talk about uh, towards the end of the show as well. But I got to mention before we get on the air with Bobby Fulton tonight, uh, Bill Goldberg back in the house tonight. He's on. He will be on Raw tonight. Do we see Lesnar tonight on the show with him? I haven't heard anything about Lesnar, but it would not surprise me in the least to see some kind of confrontation, whether it's physical or just talking back and forth. But it would not surprise me to see them both in the building tonight. Uh, like I said, uh, all the Twitter accounts, and I've heard nothing about Lesnar being backstage or anything, but we do know for sure Goldberg will be there. But well, you know, does this set up kind of like Paul Heyman being in the building? Maybe Heyman's going to be there, maybe Lesnar's not, and we're going to set up something later on, maybe next week with uh, Goldberg and Lesnar. We'll have to wait and see, but I hadn't heard anything about Lesnar being there. Well, I haven't either, and I would not be surprised at all if your prediction you just made about Paul Heyman being involved. I think we see Paul Heyman take a spear tonight. I, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just not seeing Heyman getting. If you've noticed since the whole uh, CM Punk deal with Heyman got whipped by CM Punk, uh, you really don't see Heyman taking taking the physical stuff like he used to. Yeah. I don't know if uh, if we'll see Heyman getting anything. A spear would probably kill Heyman right now. He's getting up there, and he's not as. He's not as young as he, he, he used to be, but you know, maybe he he gets a run out, he runs out of the ring or something like that. But you know, maybe we're maybe you're right. Maybe he gets a spear. I just don't see him letting letting that happen to him right now because I just don't think he's able to take take it like he used to. But you look at somebody like a Bobby the Brain Heenan, he used to take all the physical stuff way up into. Uh, I don't forget how old Heenan was before he quit, but. He took a lot of the physical stuff when I thought he shouldn't need to, but, you know, possible, but I, I don't think Heyman's going to get a spear. But he, it would be something to see, and that would definitely set up Survivor Series. That would definitely uh, breathe a big-time big time life into that match, even more than what it is now. I would, I would, I'd love to see it, but I, I definitely don't want him to uh... – if it does, it's very, very possible that John Brown will call into the uh, WWE headquarters tomorrow and say that he witnessed uh, uh, an attempt of murder on, uh, yeah, on might, Monday Night Raw. He has done that before. He might send flowers to Paul Heyman. 
Well, we will see. We will see what happens. Goldberg, folks, uh, back on Monday Night Raw tonight as we get ready for Survivor Series that will emanate from Toronto, Canada uh, this year, I do believe, and uh, promises to be a good pay-per-view. You know, I think it's really going to be neat to see uh, Raw versus SmackDown really for the first time in years, and I think that is going to be a lot of fun uh, to see. Of course, we'll talk about Survivor Series quite a bit. Uh, as time progresses, but I mean, do you think this uh, Raw versus SmackDown thing will pay off to be pretty interesting at Survivor Series this year? I think it will be if they do, if they do it the right way and the way that they're talking about. Uh, I think it will. Uh, I know they're talking today. You know, SmackDown's already started having some of their qualifying mm-hmm. matches, and I think Raw will start doing that tonight just to just to get things rolling, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of like the, I guess it wouldn't be the Super Bowl, but, you know, bragging rights. I know they used to have a pay-per-view years ago called bragging rights, and they didn't really didn't do that the way I thought they should, but maybe this will uh, kind of be like for you basketball fans, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and see who gets bragging rights for you. Well, you know, the thing is, they had that pay-per-view, if you remember correctly, like a month or two before Survivor Series. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what they, I don't know what you're thinking about and what they did right and what they didn't, but that just didn't, I don't know. I mean, you kind of think that's the whole point of Survivor Series is to, is to do that type of thing and maybe have that at a different time of year would have worked. And it's very possible that we're going to see some more of Raw versus SmackDown over time, I would think. Um what do you think they could have done differently with the bragging rights pay-per-view? Well, I mean, it, was, it wasn't built up right, in my opinion. Just like we talked about storylines not being built up enough, uh, they threw together, it just looked like they threw together a ragtag crowd of whoever. You had heels and baby faces on the same team, which I'm sure you probably will this time, but just didn't have that same aura like a Survivor Series match would have. Um and and with the paper, I guess I guess because I grew up watching Survivor Series elimination matches, which you didn't have two brands back then, but it was kind of like whoever won that Survivor Series had bragging rights, and pretty much got a big push after that. And and with Survivor Series, it's the perfect, I think it's the perfect time for them to do this situation and and, and you know to see who gets bragging rights this year. It just, it just fits. I'll put it that way. And with bragging rights, we're just like, all right, we're going to talk about this for, for you know, this month, and then it's going to be over just like that. So they need to well, really talk about it more and more. You know, maybe when they have these uh, interbrand pay-per-views to kind of, you know, like a WrestleMania or something like that, to kind of push it a little bit where Raw got the best of SmackDown or, or vice versa. Well, Survivor Series coming up, folks, from November the 20th uh, on the WWE Network. Of course, the day before that, we'll have the, uh, it's, I think it's NXT um, TakeOver. Um, I think right. it's the second one. Yeah, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, so, uh, which, of course, you know, NXT. I don't, do, do you watch much NXT, Stevie? I mean, I, I, we can't possibly watch every bit of wrestling that there is, but what, what have you thought? I do see it every once in a while, and I'm telling you, I, I hate that it's on the network, that it doesn't come on regular, because I think it would be, the, the ratings would probably be better than SmackDown or Raw with some of these guys, these young guys coming up. You know, you got oh, yeah. 
guys and guys that were in TNA, TNA just really didn't know how to use. Now you got a Bobby Roode, you got a Samoa Joe, which I've got some some interesting news about Samoa Joe. Some things I'm hearing about Samoa Joe might be coming over to uh, to one of the either SmackDown or Raw soon. Uh, you know, you got Austin Aries, you got not you know the I'm, I'm not I can't I can never say the Japanese guys that's the uh, champion that's over there right now. Do you remember his name? Uh, I know you're talking about, but I, if I if I try I to I can never it, remember his name. Face. But anyway, you know, you, you've got a lot of great wrestlers over there, and you got a guy, a lot of guys that started out in NXT. All the members of the Shield were in NXT. Uh, Sami Zayn. Yep. The list goes on and on. So you know, the, if NXT was on USA or maybe a Wednesday night, I think you'd see. I really, really see a, a big ratings competing with Raw and SmackDown. Yep, I think so. And and you know the thing is about NXT, it's uh, you know I like, I'm a big fan of Samoa Joe. I've been a big fan of Samoa Joe for a long time, and and I liked him in TNA. I liked what he had going there, and I like what he's got going now. My only concern is bringing a guy like Samoa Joe, who has been at the top pretty much everywhere he's been so far. Coming to WWE, uh, it's main card on either Raw or SmackDown, and just kind of flatlining. Now, let me just say, that would not be Samoa Joe's fault um, because we know no. he can carry. We know he can carry a match. We know he can carry a storyline. But I would hate to see a guy who's been at the top of everything he does just kind of, you know, settle for or get settled rather for the mid card, and that just be the last we remember of Samoa Joe. I mean, I really see Samoa Joe being a contender. I mean, I would love, I would absolutely love to see a Samoa Joe versus Kevin Owens in a main event, or even a Samoa Joe and a Seth Rollins, you know, or even a Samoa Joe and a Roman Reigns, and we finally have somebody who beats Roman Reigns and shuts that down. I mean, that would be great, too. <laughs> so I think, I mean, I just, I really want to see, if they're going to move him, I hope, is to bring him and be a top contender. Do you think they will? I mean, do you think there's him on as top contender? Do you think there's going to be more of an intercontinental champion, a Dolph Ziggler, if you will? What do you think? I think they'll start him off kind of. Being the, the one thing, and we talked about this before, being that he was with TNA for so long, and, you know, granted, we you know, you look at AJ Styles, that's, that's the exception to the rule right now. But being yeah. he was with TNA, you know, that's that's one of the reasons. You look at these TNA guys, and Vince is bringing them over to NXT first, except for AJ. And AJ went to New Japan and came from New Japan to WWE. So uh, these TNA guys look like they bring them in right to NXT, let them sit over there for a while, and then brings them over to WWE. What I'm hearing is, you know the whole deal we talked about Braun Strowman. Oh yeah. With him, him uh, talking, you know, doing beating the jobbers and all that, and he did throw around Sami Zayn for a little while. Uh, but hearing Samoa Joe might be coming to be the next challenger for Braun Strowman. That's a lot of the word going around right now. But uh, you know, you know, maybe they'll start him off slow, move him up to like a like you said an intercontinental title. But I think depending on the the reaction he gets, that you know, I'm sure eventually 
he would get to be a world champion. I don't see why how he would. Yeah, well, I certainly would hope so. And I, but, you know, how neat would it be to see AJ Styles um, take on Samoa Joe? And I, I mean, that would be. I don't think Vince McMahon would have let that happen. But uh, wouldn't wouldn't it be great though to see him? Uh, take on uh, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles headline at an event because they've certainly had their share of of, of, of good matches over time, and I, I would really, really love to see that personally. Definitely, definitely want to see that. You know, there's so many matches that that he could do with uh, Samoa Joe. So many dream matches, like you said, the Roman Reigns. Uh, definitely think Roman wouldn't be able to survive. Uh, a muscle buster from Samoa Joe. That would that would be pretty awesome there. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 transition a little bit. Of course, it is Halloween, and uh, and happy Halloween, to all of our listeners. Um, first off, if you're listening to our show live right now, and you have uh, kids, you know, age ten and younger, um, then then your wife is probably going to be pretty upset um, <laughs> that, that you were listening to our show tonight. But if you are listening, uh, you probably know a little bit about wrestling because we kind of bring the old school to you every week. I'd say we're nostalgic uh, people uh, when it comes to wrestling. And certainly there's some nostalgia when you talk about Halloween in two aspects. Number one, uh, Halloween Havoc. Uh, and, of course, um, which we'll talk about in just a bit. Let's talk about the personalities of WWE, kind of some scary frightening personalities over time. You really don't see a lot of that anymore. Um, but you but you used to see wrestlers come out of the curtain that literally frightened kids. I mean, it, it was a frightening experience. I don't think anybody um, does it better than The Undertaker. I mean, to this day, that is one of the most chilling um, entrances, if not the most chilling entrance in all of wrestling. But I ask you, um, and The Undertaker being an obvious one, what are some that come to mind that really frightened uh, the audience when they were? Well, you, you, you know, uh, I know you remember the Boogeyman. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, pretty pretty gruesome stuff from, uh, from the Boogeyman. Uh, and, and, of course, The Undertaker, you think, I don't know how many of you saw the first time the Undertaker ever came out, and uh, you know, to keep the look in the crowd at Survivor Series that night when he came out, it was pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, pretty yeah. shot people and kids. And I, the night that Undertaker beat uh, Hulk Hogan at the Tuesday in Texas pay per view, there were kids crying. I mean, just scared. So the Undertaker's gimmick worked from the start. I mean. Look where the Undertaker came from—a mean mark in WCW to the Undertaker. That, that's a pretty scary game. You know, you got the Boogeyman. Yeah. And a, a lot of the old older guys will remember this guy, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, man that brought a spoon oh, yeah. and a fork to the ring with him. Uh, just, <laughs> I mean, uh, scary, scary guy. Uh, it, it, no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, but just just to watch him come in the crowd, you know, it, it may not have much shock value these days with some of the characters they got. But back in the day, seeing a guy come out like that was pretty scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember him. And uh, of course, um, there's been others. You know. I mean, you've got uh, kind of a 
he's not not kind of he's definitely a uh, transplant i guess you you can say of the undertaker in kane uh, i remember when kane came out back in oh, 97 i do believe it was that hell in the cell in your highest pay-per-view uh, bad blood if you remember correctly i mean kane was kind of a freaky thing for a while there i mean you know especially with the mask on when he didn't talk and then when he did talk when he finally talked it was that you remember that voice it was just it was chilling of course that was a time period in which um, i was younger and that was when i was watching wrestling for probably the best wrestling um fan career if you will but i mean he was a scary dude and uh i remember i remember when he came in that it was um, you talk about through the house that scratches you remember the taker and came went over, but if you remember that next to be uh, kind of freaky if you're in the ring. Yeah, Lance, I'm sorry. A lot of what you said right then broke up on me. Uh, I know you were talking about Kane, right. and if you were talking and if you were talking about the first night he came out when he ripped the ripped the door off the cage and, and got in there with Undertaker, it, yeah, it was a pretty scary, uh, you know, pretty awesome, awesome yeah. way to debut. So I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but that, a lot of that broke up on. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, no problem. But I mean, you know, certainly Kane and um, was was certainly another one of those. And uh, but um, who would you say, in your opinion, is the scariest? wrestler persona of all time? Mm. That's a good question. And, you know, you still have to give it to, to Taker. I yeah. Mean, when Taker was a bad guy, I mean, he first came out. Before he turned babyface, he was, he was, that was probably the scariest persona. And, you know, you have to look at now, and now look at the Whites. I mean, when they first came out, that was kind of a you know kind of a scary thing, to some of the things they did. Yeah. Um, but I still have to go with as far as entrance and the first version of Undertaker, the heel version. Oh yeah, I, I would think so too. And you know, we talk about scary, talk about Halloween. You got to talk about one of the most historic Halloween events in wrestling. It began on October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine, in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania Halloween Havoc. Now, Stevie, I know you were watching wrestling when Halloween Havoc was going on, and if you're at 1989 is when it got started, but the last one was held right. in 2000. What's the Halloween Havoc memory in your mind that sticks out? The, well, as far as matches go, mm-hmm. the best match I ever saw at Halloween Havoc had to be in 97, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. I mean, uh, they just went back and forth and back and forth. Uh, Mysterio's, the part of Mysterio's suit actually ripped, and you almost saw saw part of Mysterio's face. You know, this was before he unmasked, unmasked in WCW. But, uh, you know, the action in that was just so intense, and, and they put on one heck of a match that night. Uh, but probably one of my favorite matches of all time, but, the memory-wise was the first the first Halloween Havoc, and they had the Thunderdome 
cage match with Sting and Ric Flair against Muda. Everybody remembers the great Muda, I hope. That's right. I hope oh, I'm yeah. not that old. And Terry Funk. Well, Muda wow. always had this uh, stuff he was sprayed, the red spray, green spray that he sprayed out of his mouth, the mist is what they called it. Well, when they lowered the Thunderdome cage, part sparks came up and part of the top of the cage caught on fire. And Muda goes up, I mean, not a big fire, but, you know, enough to, to be alarmed about. So Muda goes up there to the top of the cage on the turnbuckle, climbs up there, sprays some of the mist on it, and puts the fire out. I, I was like, that was one of my one of my best memories of Halloween Havoc. But as far as matches go, you got it, you know, the Mysterio and, and Eddie Guerrero's match really stands out. I mean, and then you, as far as the worst match, Look at uh, Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan from '98. Uh, one of the worst matches of all time, in my opinion. Oh yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> I won't ever forget that one. I mean, because the build-up was, it was a pretty big deal to see um, the Ultimate Warrior, who went by the Warrior uh, at the time uh, in in 1998. Yeah, that was in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, in fact. Um, Get this now. Talk about Hulk Hogan being a star. In WCW, Hulk Hogan headlined uh, Halloween Havoc. Get this now. Are you ready? Six consecutive years. He was the main event, 1994 yep. to 1999. In 94, he took on Ric Flair inside a steel cage match for the world championship. And, of course, um, in 1999, he had lined for the last time when he fought uh, Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, Sting went on same night to fight Goldberg uh, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I'll tell you, I really enjoyed Halloween Havoc, but it always seemed to me like the main event disappointed. Yeah, you know, and you, you talk about the Sting and Hogan match from 99. That match lasted a whopping three seconds. That was yep. uh, when WCW was pretty much on the, the downfall. And I, oh, yeah. I, you never you never got the whole story there. Like, you know, a lot of people think it was a work. But, uh, you know, some people say it was Hogan protesting Russo and just didn't want, you know, didn't even care. So they had to set up another match, you know, backstage quick. And then Goldberg got the belt that night from Sting later on. But, you know, the main events, just like Hogan in 95, you know, you had a monster truck match at first with the Giant. You know, and, this, <laughs> and the Giant falls off the top of the building into the river. We're never going to see the Giant again, which, you know, of course, that would be a perfect time for Johnny Brown to call and say, I saw Hulk Hogan push push the giant off the top of the room. I know you need to go arrest Hulk Hogan. But um, and then later on that night, you see Hogan gets double-crossed by Jimmy Hart and all, all the people from the back. Yeah, so no disqualification match, and the belt can change hands on a disqualification. So Jimmy Hart double-crosses him, sends all these guys out. Uh, a guy called the Yeti. Or never saw saw him after that again. Uh, Luger, I think uh, there were several other ones that came out. But, you know, I'm like you. The main event was always second to a match that was under it. Uh, yep. 
thing thing in ninety what was nineteen ninety was fighting Sid Vicious and that was a match yep. where uh, they tied up Sting. They Sting followed Sid backstage. They tied him up, bring Barry Windham out dressed up like Sting, and let Sid Vicious pin him. So, you know, but the match that really was the match of the night there was the Steiners beating the Nasty Boys. That was probably the match of the night there, and really overshadowed Sting and Sid. And what a feud that was! That was a lot of fun. I hate you. In fact, um, the Nasty Boys kind of made a return in TNA in 2010. I'm just a, I'm just a nostalgic wrestling fan, so to see them back on the air was um, was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you that uh, it, it, I agree. It's, it always seemed like Halloween Havoc, for somehow how or another, just disappointed. I'll tell you one thing I didn't know though, and a lot of you may not know unless you were watching wrestling at that time. 1992 Halloween Havoc. The only time that I know of uh, that the two wrestled, particularly headlining an event, <clears throat> it was Sting versus, uh, of course, he didn't go by this in this match, but most people know him as Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, Sting and Jake the Snake, October 25th, 1992, uh, Halloween Havoc returns to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, never knew until I was looking at the Halloween Havoc matches in preparation for our show tonight, never knew that the two fought one another. Oh, yeah, that was uh, a big build-up. I, I was watching at that time. The build-up there was Jake had been let go by WWF. Uh, Sting was supposed to be fighting Vader at, at a show, on, and it was on TBS. Well, out of the crowd, here comes Jake the Snake, DDT Sting, and, of course, Sting's not able to wrestle that night, so... They have a, a like a lottery, and Ron Simmons wins the lottery and goes on to beat beats Vader that night for the belt. So that set up the match. I think it was called spin the the spin the wheel match. Spin the wheel, make mm-hmm. the deal, and it ended up being a coal miner's glove match. I think no, was it a coal miner? Yeah, it was a coal miner's glove match because the ending was Jake the Snake got the glove and also had a snake and. Cactus Jack Mick Foley was there at the time helping him, and I think they ran in each other, and somehow Jake got the snake caught on him, and the snake bit him, and Sting rolled him up for the pink. So that, but you know, kind of a disappointing ending there too. But uh, you know that, and and Jake didn't really last long after that. You really didn't hear much out of Jake after that. Yeah, yeah, and of course the last. Get this now, the last Halloween Havoc. October 29th, 2000. Of course, just months before WCW sold. Get ready yeah. for this now. We're talking. Let's talk about. Let's let's just recap kind of what the. And this is no disrespect to the guys that were in this match, but let's just recap in just a moment the main events that we've talked about. Okay. Just and let's forget about the fact that they weren't very good main events. Okay. Just listen to the. I mean, and this is not for you, Stevie, but for our listeners, just listen to. The headliners here. 1997, Roddy Piper versus Hollywood Hogan. 1996, Hollywood Hogan versus Randy Savage. 1995, Hogan versus the Giant. Now, we just talked about Sting and Jake the Snake Roberts. 1990, Sting versus Sid Vicious. Then in 2000, Goldberg 
the team of Brian Adams and Brian Clark. It, please tell me that the sign. We, sh- we should have known they were going to sell. How did we not know this, Steve? You know, it, that was a big mistake for WCW. How are you going to let? For one thing, I did like that team, the Brian Adams, and, uh, you know, they were, they were called Chronic, and that was probably one of the best things WCW had going at the time. But to let them lose in a handicap match to Goldberg in the main event of, you know, Halloween Havoc, why in the world do you have a handicap match in in the main event of one of your biggest factories of the year for the title? That that was just beyond me at the time. And you could really see then that the end was the end was near for WCW. Some of these decisions they made that was, you know, we should that wasn't the worst decision they made. We've all talked about David Arquette with with the belt and stuff like that, and having Jay Leno wrestle Hulk Hogan, which it was Jay Leno and DDP, but still to have Jay Leno doing an arm ball on Hulk Hogan in the ring and Hulk Hogan acting like it hurt was just unbelievable to me. But you know that and that was kind of kind of a bad move by WCW to have your heavyweight champion, and I believe they were tag champions at the time too. I may be wrong on that to have those fighting each other in a handicap match. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I don't recall if they were. I, I really don't. Um, but you know, they, they did have a good thing going on there. There's no doubt about that. But uh, just. It just goes to show you when you look at the headliners that had promotion even as, even as recent as a year before that, and um, you kind of see where Adams and Brian Clark as big uh, as as the names of Hogan and Roddy Piper and Ultimate Warrior Sting is just they'll never be that thing. I mean, and that, again, no disrespect, but they just never will be, and. Um, and it just goes to show you kind of where where things had gotten. Halloween havoc. What was the return of Halloween havoc? you know that right there. I think WWE would be doing themselves a favor with bringing the the Halloween havoc pay per view back. You know, it was one, definitely one of my favorites, uh, and I mm-hmm. think you know it would definitely fit in. You know, you have your Hell in the Cell last night. You could definitely turn it into a a Halloween Havoc and have Hell in the Cell built into Halloween Havoc, I guess it, it would fit just like Halloween Havoc. The first one had the Thunderdome match, but uh, they definitely should bring it back in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd love to see it. I don't know if we will, but here's an, we're always asking Vince McMahon for something. So let's just keep the tradition going tonight. Vince, Stevie would like to see Halloween Havoc. Please make it happen. We know he's listening. We know he's listening. I mean, he listens every week, folks. Every single yeah, week. Of course. Not, but the thing is, we've asked him to come on the show. He hasn't come on the show yet. It's amazing. Yeah. I think he's shy. I don't know what it is. Let's have a thumbs up, thumbs down session talking about what's going on in the wrestling business. So you've had a little time. I've asked you this question before. We're going to get back to it now. You know, I'm very excited about Goldberg and Brock Lesnar uh, coming up. At Survivor Series, and I'm, again, I'm nostalgic, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this. But you've had a little time now to kind of sit on it and think about it. 
Goldberg comes out, obviously to a hot crowd. Of course, Brock Lesnar comes out to his hometown crowd uh, last week and is received very warmly. Um, so, having said that, uh, Goldberg is obviously going to be presented as a babyface. Now, whether or not the Toronto crowd, you know, goes for Goldberg as a babyface or not, that's <laughs> left to be seen. Yeah, and and you know how the WWE fan base works. Um, but my question is, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, does Goldberg win the match at Survivor Series? So you keep you keep asking me. <laughs> um, I, everything I'm hearing here with with Goldberg is this is a one-time deal. Now, if it's a one-time deal for him and and no more appearances, no more matches after that, then I think he he doesn't win. Just for the fact that this was more of a push for the the video game, and uh, they're they're not going if it's if he's not going to make any more appearances or or wrestle anymore. There's no way Lesnar's going to let him win and be a one, one-time thing and, and just let him win, and, and it's going to hurt Lesnar in the future. So it, right now I don't think Goldberg will win if that's if it stays like this. Now, if he goes and says, yeah, I'm going to be, be around for a while, then, yeah, I think there's a chance that Goldberg wins that match. Yeah. So I'm going to well. go, <laughs> go thumbs three-quarter. Just depending with a little, put a little pin in it, and see what, how Goldberg, if Goldberg sticks around. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you finally. Um, we okay. haven't had a lot of disagreement, but we have uh, this show. We've had a little bit of disagreement this show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Goldberg wins the match, clean. Wow. <laughs> You're thinking? Wow! I, I, I agree. To, I agree to do a show with this nut. No, seriously. I think, no, I think, no, I think no. You know that's that's your opinion, then, and yours. I, you know, and you you could be right. You know, stranger things have happened, but I just it's just with these with with Lesnar's ego. I just don't see that happening. I would love to see it happen, but I just don't see it happening. But you know. Lance Jenkins called it here. Y'all mark down the time. Goldberg goes mark clean on the weather. Clean, folks. Clean. Clean. That's that's really what, what you know, and we talked before when we talked about it, I said maybe if somebody would distract Lesnar, that would get Goldberg to pin. Uh I don't know. Lance calls it and I'll give I'll give credit to him if it happens, but Look. I just don't see it happening. I'm on a roll, Stevie. Not with, Le- not me, with let- Lesnar's ego. I'm on a roll. Let me even let me even yeah. jump out there and say something else. Okay, you ready for this? Uh uh-uh. oh. Goldberg beats Lesnar clean. All right, you ready for this, folks? Now, WrestleMania. I know where with this, I think. WrestleMania 33. Goldberg versus the Undertaker. Hmm. Wow. Possible? I mean, there's, really there's some logic there. there. I mean, if Goldberg's able to beat Brock Lesnar, why can't he beat The Undertaker? There's a logic. I mean, hey, Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker on his own turf. So oh, we see gosh. Goldberg you know, <laughs> and The Undertaker at WrestleMania You're setting the world on fire tonight, but You're setting it on fire tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, I really 
I don't see Undertaker or Triple H or Vince McMahon letting Mr. WCW, you know, one of Mr. WCW, I guess, beat the Undertaker in what could possibly be his last WrestleMania. Uh, you know, you 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 stick with it because <laughs> if you're right, I'll give you all the credit. Definitely give you all the credit because that that is really stepping out there on a limb. Well, and I'm going to say this. I'm, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just going to say, folks, don't tell me you heard that from anywhere else first. You heard that here first. <laughs> and you have know, you heard somebody, that going w, on? Have, yeah. WWE Creative could be sitting here or listening to us right now saying, Daggum, how does that guy know what we're going to do? <laughs> And, and and I say to them, we always know what you're going to do. <laughs> We're one step yeah, ahead of you guys. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of independent wrestling. I mean, take a look. Let me tell you, talk about independent wrestling. The Pain Train, Preston Quinn, one of my favorite right. wrestlers. Straight up, one of my favorite wrestlers. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the ring announcer for Rage Wrestling. I think I'm going to riot with the crowd. If he does not win the world title, I'm going to be there. I'm going to rip my tuxedo off. I'm going to throw my bow tie in the air, and we're going to ride right there in Lasker. Well, you definitely uh, had a big weekend this weekend for the pain train. You know, you had his first Ring of Honor TV tapings, and from what I was told by himself, it, it was it was a very good weekend for him and. He has been signed to come back for some more TV tapings. So, you know, really excited for that guy. He's worked his butt off to get to get this shot, and he's doing a great job. And you know, can't wait to see him November 12th. Hopefully, hopefully he'll he'll win that tournament. I'm still I'm still sticking with my guns on that pick. I don't even know what the what the uh, rounds is, what the setup for the tournament is, but I'm still sticking with what I picked. I know he's gonna he's gonna go through at least the first round. Now, now, you have to remind me, Stevie. Did you pick Preston Quinn to win the world title? Well, you know, we didn't ever get to the. We just picked the first round. That's right. Remember, and then we, oh, we yeah, were going right. to do that's the. Right. That's right. We were going to do the rest of it at. But the, you did uh, have him beating Caprice Coleman. I did. I did in the yeah. match of the night. I had, and you know, I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag as far as did I pick him to to win the whole thing. But you know, I would have went with Preston that night. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm Preston Quinn, one of the most up-and-coming wrestlers uh, in, in the business today. And I've seen the guy wrestle live. Stevie, you've seen him wrestle live. Uh, the guy's talented. There's no doubt about that. Um, for him to go up to Baltimore, Maryland this weekend and, and really just impress enough to get booked for another four uh, television tapings. Folks, four television tapings is a big deal. I mean, it's not just one show being taped. I mean, we're talking about this guy's going to be on TV um, and, and doing his thing, you know, for uh, for for one certainly the most up and coming promotion of the day, no doubt, uh, and uh, in Ring of Honor. And I mean, how how much of an honor is that? And to have him in Rage Wrestling, even more fun. But he is in the independent wrestling section. He is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the crowd. Just the, the, the interaction between the crowd and a guy like Preston Quinn is just unmatched. I'm telling you. I mean, and it's just so much. I enjoy much more watching Preston Quinn wrestle 
than I do a Randy Orton. I mean, it's just everything just is a lot more natural. It's not fake. It's good. It's good old school wrestling. It's fun. It's interactive. I mean, I just wouldn't personally, Steve. I would much rather see a guy like Preston Quinn wrestle than than any any big name in WWE today. I mean, he is he he is just as good. I'm not saying this because I know the guy. I'm just saying he is just as good at what he does. I think as anybody in the WWE right now. Well, I do too. Uh, and for those of you wondering, if you watch Ring of Honor, it's in syndication. There's a lot of channels in my area. Forty three carries it on Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. He will be making his first appearance November nineteenth will be the first time that what what he what he takes this weekend will be on November nineteenth. So keep your eyes open. And I'm sitting here uh just flip flip the T V over while we're talking about this and of course we had, Goldberg is, is, is in the ring and guess who just came out to the ring with him? Or not with him but to talk to him is Paul Heyman. So we're waiting to see if we, we get the spear tonight. It's, uh, <laughs> he's stepping in the ring, so we'll we'll see. We'll just have to keep oh, yeah. make sure y'all are tuned in to Raw, and maybe you'll see uh, what Lance says come true as far as Heyman getting yeah. the spear tonight, which oh, uh, I think that will probably be the end of Paul Heyman if it happens. I'm tur- I, folks, I'm turning the studio television on right now because when this happens, I'm going to tell you it happened right here. And uh, and you're going to start believing me. You're going to start. These folks are going to start believing us, Steve. I'm telling you, they're going to start listening to this, and they're going to say, you know what? They're going to watch Paul Heyman get speared here in just a second. And uh, he's standing on the edge of the ring right now, looking a little on that on edge, and he should be because he's about to take a spear. And uh, and when that happens, we're gonna, everybody's going to say, I'm going to start listening to these guys. And then all oh. the wrestling business is going to be saying Goldberg and Undertaker at WrestleMania. It could be possible. Lance Jenkins and Stevie Fly said it on Brawl for All. I'm telling you, watch. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. One thing we need to talk about here too. You mentioned Randy Orton a few minutes ago. Randy Orton, a member of the Wyatt family. You know, is this? And and I don't know if WWE is rehashing old storylines, but it sure sounds like it to me when. When Randy Orton has talked about all these head games he wants to play with the White, especially with Bray Wyatt, make him think. You know, of course he made the comment last week: if you can't beat them, join them. And okay. at a house show this weekend, Randy, of course Randy Orton, RKO Kane last week on SmackDown because Kane is match. But at a house show this weekend, Randy Orton fighting Kane, the Whites came out and distracted Kane. Randy Orton got the pin, and after the match, Randy Orton poses with the Wyatt. They all get on four, all climb on all four corners and do Randy Orton's little pose. Uh, is what I think. I think you're going to see the old Daniel Bryan story. Randy Orton setting up the Wyatt and ends up doing a double cross on them. So, you know, I, and, I, and what is, that is is just. WWE rehashing old storylines again, but cannot see Randy Orton as a member of the Whites. No, <laughs> I, I can't either. And, and you know, that's another guy I wish WWE really would focus on is Bray Wyatt. I mean, he's a talent. He's a top talent. Folks, uh, just real quick breaking news. If you're not watching Monday Night Raw right now, um, 
it, it is uh, you, you may want to check this out um, because Paul Heyman seems to be announcing that uh, Brock Lesnar is in the building. Uh, Lesnar not uh, doesn't appear that he's walking he's out yet. You seeing this? Yeah, I don't. Th- I, Heyman's laughing right now, so I don't think. I think it's a setup, and you know, the more he laughs, the more I'm thinking that he might get a spear. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm. I'm going towards your side. Boy, I hope oh, something's going to happen to him because, you know, yep, oh, boy. Here we go. Folks, <laughs> uh, first off, you just need to stop watching the commentators on Raw. You need to just check this out. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll start doing we'll... a three-hour commentary. It'll yeah. be a heck of a lot more fun than listening to Michael Cole. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you got to be honest. And we definitely don't get the paycheck Michael Cole gets, but we do get a pretty definitely good one. Definitely not, but we, we, could, we could do a little bit better. You look in the crowd, too. You see some of these faces in the crowd. Some yep. Looks like a Sting guy in the crowd, too. That's right, yep. And there's a couple of people <laughs> that keep looking at each other and shaking their heads. It's really funny because um, I think they're all thinking that there's going to be a spear. And, and okay, probably well, what they – the way he's going now, he started. He's already talking about Goldberg's wife and son. So now I'm thinking a spear is imminent. <laughs> it's imminent. I'm telling you. Look, folks, you need to stop reading all these pro wrestling outlets and all Uh-oh. that stuff. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I'm telling you. Look, uh, I'm sorry we're kind me. of breaking off script here a little bit, folks. But I'm here to tell you, if a spear doesn't happen at this point, um. Oh, here we go. Hold so on. now oh. they're bringing Rusev out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Folks, I was wrong. Because <laughs> it's clear that Rusev is now going to get the spear. Yeah. Now, Rusev is in the sacrificial lamb right now. Paul Heyman. Mm. Paul Heyman, if you listen to this episode on demand, which so everyone knows you can listen to on your podcast app on iPhone or on the TuneIn Radio app on iPhone and Android, um, Paul Heyman, if you listen to this, you are a wuss. <laughs> I mean, take the spear. Sure. You know, I take the spear. I, come on, you know. I'm telling you, I don't think uh, Heyman can handle a spear. And it, he's not poly dangerously anymore. <laughs> he's Paul Heyman. Maybe <laughs> uh, please tell me what Rusev has to do with any of this. I'm telling you, he's just a sacrificial lamb, and he could be. He could be the distraction for for Lesnar to come out from behind. You never know. I mean, Paul Heyman's a pretty calculated guy who likes to play mind games with people, and this would get Goldberg distracted from Lesnar. Lesnar could be there. You never know. Look, I would like to point out that it, it is very important to know that what appears to be chickens inside, that's big news. It's not, it, 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 you heard it first. Um Wow. It's unbelievable. So, Monday Night Raw, looks like Rusev's about to take a spear, folks. And this would be, might I add, the first spear uh, that we have seen in a very long time. Uh, In fact, it's been 12 years since we've seen Goldberg in the ring do anything of physical action. I'm wondering how this is going to be. Let's let's analyze this as it's going on, Stevie. Is this going to be a legit spear? Is this going to look weak? What do you think? I think it's going to be a legit one. I mean, I think they're, they're trying to 
trying to set up uh, that Goldberg's back, and you know they're definitely not going to let Rusev get the best of them. So, do we see a jackhammer to go along with the spear, though? If we see a jackhammer go along with the spear, which looks like it's imminent at this point, um, if we see a jackhammer go along with the spear, uh, and he picks that man up right there and does a jackhammer on him, then the guy is in shape to fight Brock Lesnar. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Rusev's a pretty big guy, uh, but you got to remember, and granted, this has been 12 years ago, that Goldberg. Jack Hammer, just about everybody in WCW, you know, including the big show. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that would definitely prove that Goldberg is capable of doing the same to Lesnar if he can do it to Rusev. Well, you know, what, uh, and what does this do to, but, you know, here's my thing, too. You know, you got, what is this, oh, here we go. What does this do to Rusev if Goldberg takes him out? You know, you kind of, you kind of, Making him look look bad if Goldberg. Yeah, and here Rusev. we go. There goes the punch. Here we go. Yep, Bruce. I think I might be a little ahead of yours, so I'll I'll let you do the call. Oh boy, here we go. Mm. Jackhammer. Um, I don't know if you just saw what in the world that was. Oh boy. Oh, we just saw the jackhammer, folks. Did you see that? Yep, the jackhammer. So now let, let look. Heyman is still sitting in the ring. Oh, oh, oh. oh it's not over. Yes. <laughs> oh yes, folks. You heard it right here on Brawl for All first. Did you see that, Stevie? <laughs> I did. I did. Lance Jenkins was right. <laughs> Boy, I'll be tell you, no better feeling than that right there. I don't Amen. think I've Amen. ever Amen. wanted Amen. to see Johnny Brown is already uh, finding out what <laughs> hospital Heyman will be in and sending flowers in advance. Paul Heyman takes the spear, folks. I get we look. We gave the prediction thirty minutes ago, okay? Before Monday Not, Night Raw went live. Do I have? Do I have? I mean, am I right or am I right? You're right. Not the best spear in the world. He kind of took it easy on him. Yes, he did. He definitely took it easy. Here and not go. only that, not only that, oh, here we go. There's a good shot right there. Yeah, and not only that, I'll tell you, he looks a little rusty, but you know what? I hope I get to, I hope we get to see a great match between Goldberg and Lesnar at Survivor Series. It's going to be mighty disappointing um, if they bring back Goldberg and, okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me let me pause what my television. What the heck Sorry. is that, folks? If you're watching Monday Night Raw, you just come blind. You know, I thought Doink the Clown was a stretch. I really did. Um, I didn't know what Vince was thinking, but I just trusted his judgment. And uh, tonight, somebody on the creative team thought it would be a good idea to dress uh, one of the announcers in a polka dotted and rubber ducky pajama pants suit. <laughs> and might I add, it's a onesie with sleeves that wrap around your hands. How about the other one, though? How about Byron with the the, the pumpkin, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown outfit that he's got on? Uh, what is yeah, next, uh, folks? 
My suggestion to all you wrestling fans out there, we're going to finally get back to our thumbs up and thumbs down segment. My suggestion to you, watch Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> the pain train, Preston Quinn, would not Definitely. be caught dead in that outfit on the left. Uh, no, I, I just, ooh. I, I, well, get, I honestly think think I went blind for a second when it first came on. All right, let's start, folks. Monday Night Raw is, is pretty bad right now, so stay with us, um, and uh, it'll get back to it here in just a minute. No, we want to close out the show here in a little while. Um, want to talk a little bit about a couple things, uh, Stevie. Back to the thumbs up, thumbs down segment, breaking it down seriously again. Um, one of the things we talked about at the top of the show is something that I really think is a, a, an important turn for wrestling. And that is the fact that the women headlined Hell in a Cell and uh, Charlotte um, went head-to-head with Sasha Banks in what was probably one of the best matches in the women's divisions ever seen uh, for many reasons. One, because it was historic. Uh, two, because it was the first time that we had ever seen women headline a match uh, at a pay-per-view, the first time we'd ever seen women in the Hell in a Cell, but more notably because it was just a, it was just a great match. Um, when we look back on the women's division. I mentioned a couple earlier um, that uh, that really were a big part of the women's division. You know, Mae Young became the whole idea of a women's division came about in in kind of like the job force did, with women getting more involved in the job force when the men were going off to war in World War II. That is when we started to see the women's division for the very first time in in pro wrestling, as early as the '40s, and of course last night, kind of a a climactic point for the women's division. They finally arrived, if you will. So I'll ask you, with all the women wrestlers that we've seen over the years, and, and, and from the WWE Attitude era, where we saw Sable and Jacqueline, from the Mae Youngs to the Fabulous Moolahs, it's easy to say that uh, who you're watching right now might be one of the greatest. But I have to ask, Stevie, thumbs up or thumbs down, Charlotte will be known one day as the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Ooh. If she keeps on going like she is now, I'll give her a thumbs up. I'll give her a thumbs up. And have you noticed in the last week that she is now coming out as not just Charlotte, but Charlotte Flair? I did notice and, that. And Foley, Foley mentioned her as Charlotte Flair on the last Monday Night Raw. And when she came out last night, that was her name was up there, Charlotte Flair. So, uh, don't know what what college I was at, but uh, I will give that a thumbs up. If she keeps on, you know, barring barring no injuries, no major injuries. Uh, of course, her daddy had a broke back and came back. But if she doesn't get hurt and she keeps going like she is, I say, yeah, I give it a thumbs up. Okay. Well, I got to tell you that uh, I would agree. Um, I would agree. Charlotte is, you know, not only does she have the name um, that can really carry her a long way, uh, but she has uh, she has a demeanor. She has the ability. Um, she certainly learned from best. Um, you know, and I'll tell and, you. And people say people are out there looking at her, and especially at first saying, "Well, look at her name. That's why she's getting where she is." No, she's definitely talented. And she, and you can tell she works hard to to do what she does. I mean, she's not one of these that uh, 
that just goes by goes out there by her name and, and expects to be handed everything. She works hard, you yeah. can tell. And I don't yes, think uh, WWE would allow her just to go do that anyway. Yeah, well, and, you know, I don't think so either. And But I think that there's some serious potential there for uh, one of the great, certainly one of the greatest um, women wrestlers of all time. And, and there's no doubt about it that the women wrestlers in the women's division right now are changing the way we look at the women's division. I remember back in the day when the women's match came on. Now, some of the some of the stuff they had on back on the day, that was when most men started watching um, wrestling. They wouldn't watch the men's matches, but they would watch the women's matches. Well, right, yeah, as a kid, right. as a kid, I didn't really look up. I mean, to be quite frank, I didn't really look up to the women wrestlers um, for a number of reasons. I looked up to the Goldbergs. I looked up to uh, the Undertakers and the Stings and what have you. But so looking at the women's division then and now, um, you know, at the time, it was just, it was so different. I mean, women then, uh, to be quite frank, were a product of the Attitude Era, intended to be a target, or target, or to, rather to target an audience that was predominantly men, where now, I'm, I'm keeping the women's match to see a great match. I mean, it's amazing how far they've come in 20 years. Uh, when we saw Seth expose herself on Monday Night Raw, where now that stuff really doesn't seem to matter anywhere near as much. You know, now, uh, and, and fortunately it is more family oriented now than, than it was then, but uh, now we're seeing uh, really quality wrestling. And uh, it's, it's just, it's great to see part of his division has come. And I, I would assume you'd probably agree with that. I would definitely. I mean, and, you know, when I first started watching in the eighties, the women had a lot to do with the big boom their big wrestling boom because, uh, you know, Wendy Richter, you know, a lot of people don't don't recognize that name, but she came out to to WrestleMania with her manager with Cindy Lauper, and that kind of did the whole rock and wrestling connection that really got wrestling going mainstream. But, you know, of course, Hogan was big, was big, but, you know, that had the rock and wrestling connection with, with Cindy Lauper, and, you know, she she had a big feud on with with Moolah that went for a while, but then after a, about a year or so, that they kind of dropped the women's division back uh, to where it wasn't wasn't mainstream anymore, and it just kind of fizzled out again. Yep. Well, um, I'm happy to see it back, you know, and and I will tell you that I think there was a time where even in the last five years. That TNA, I know I'm very critical of TNA, but that TNA was doing a very fine job at uh, boosting their women's division, what they what they uh, affectionately call the knockouts division. You know, we saw some matches between Gail Kim and Mickey James back in 2010, 2011 that I think uh, were solid. And in fact, I would argue that at that point, TNA was doing a better job uh, with their oh, women's definitely. division. Uh, but at some point, uh, WWE take it uh, a lot more seriously, and um, I don't know if we attribute that to Triple H or if we attribute that to Stephanie McMahon, but I think it was a good call, and they have um, they really added a lot to um, an otherwise and previously boring division. Oh, definitely. I mean, you had had in TNA then you know, had a Gail Kim, you had an Awesome Kong, which I 
I watch I, the TNA. Okay, now we're really getting bad on on Raw when Cass, Big Cass, and Enzo Amore are dressed up like Woody and Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. So uh, I wonder how that, like, when you're about to come to the curtain, like how that feeling is when you know you're dressed like that. Like when you're in a gorilla position, you. dressed like Toy Story guys, you know. And you're a big yeah. guy like that. I think that's. Uh, <laughs> You've got to look at him. Look at him dressed as Woody. I mean, like, think about this. He's got to be sitting there thinking right now, wow, what you know, years of working in the gym, and this is what it came down to right now. I bet you, though, I will say this. I bet you he's the highest paid person in a Woody costume tonight. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but look, back smiling to the, about I'm it. Like, you know, a TNA, the Destination X pay-per-view, uh, I'm trying to think of what year it was, 2006 or seven. I may be wrong with that, but that was live in, in Norfolk. Uh, I was there. I saw Awesome Kong, uh, ODB, and Gail Kim fight, uh, which Awesome Kong beat. And I'm not kidding you, how Gail Kim survived that match, I don't know. Because Awesome Kong put a off-the-top, turnbuckle splash on her and it looked like yeah you know <laughs> you say what you want to about about it being fake and and all this but um no i don't i, I don't know how she survived that it looked like she just engulfed her and it, but it was a one of one of the best matches of the night i mean no doubt yeah. about it well the women's division i mean it, it's look Let's give credit where credit is due, folks. Um, they have the women's division has just been a uh, just a it's been a big year uh, for the women's division. There's no doubt about that. And now, about all, mm-hmm, go ahead. And now you're you're hearing you know have you heard the rumors about uh, DDP's daughter and you know Hulk Hogan's daughter Brooke, uh, Brutus Beefcake's daughter. And uh, and Eddie Guerrero's daughter or WW I'm not a WWE but a women's league of their own and have targeted Ronda Rousey to be one of their big stars. Oh my! Uh, so you know they see they see the trend coming and uh, they they want to build off of and try, which they're saying they want to compete with TNA with the TNA knockout division. But uh, you know <laughs> I I don't know. How how that would work, but and what kind of TV deal they would get? But okay, so now Enzo is beating Gallows with a skeleton, and dunking his head in the apples. He's bobbing for apples. So <laughs> wow. bobbing for apples on Monday night. Novelty night on WWE. You will not look, it, folks. You want? Let me just tell you this. You, you look at right now what you're seeing on Raw. You will not see that at Rage Wrestling. I, I can see Charles Jones telling me right now we're going to have. The pain train, shove, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, um, uh, Caprice Coleman's face into a, a bucket of apples. I bet that'd go over well. Uh, did you happen to see any Ring of Honor this weekend? I didn't, Caprice, not this weekend. Caprice in the cabinet, you know, I was kind of disappointed because Caprice in the cabinet, Ring of Honor has, has now decided they're going to have a bring back the six man. Championship, six man tag team championship, and uh, the cabinet lost in is in the semifinals of the tournament. So I was kind of disappointed there. But Caprice, uh, you know, we we talked to the man up close and personal with him. 
put on one of the, you know, he, he's a good baby face, but I think it's one of those guys that could be just as good a baby face as, as he is a heel. Because he, he cut some heel promos the other night on that show, and they did the whole kneeling before the match and got the crowd in, booing and into it. And, uh, you know, you really need to check out the Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor uh, show from this past weekend. It, it, he, he did a really good job of being a heel. Uh, really got the crowd into it. And he told us last time when we when we talked to him at the when the Rage event that got canceled, he showed up there that he had done some things on TV that was going to make people hadn't been on TV yet, but was going to make people think he was not a good guy at all. <laughs> So I'm waiting to see that. And that he definitely got the crowd uh, to to boo him a lot on that that night. He did say that, and I remember. Uh, I, and I'll tell you, we had a really good talking about that. I um, wanted to let everybody know that next week, uh, right here uh, on uh, Brawl for All, the pro wrestling podcast with me, Lance Jenkins, your host, and Stevie Fly, we are going to have an exclusive interview that was recorded um, in a live interview at the time um, on October the 8th, right in the middle of Hurricane Matthew. Um, We recorded, if you remember correctly, Stevie, we recorded uh, a a live interview at that moment with Caprice Coleman, and we will air that interview in its entirety next week right here live on Brawl for All. I'll tell you, he is a fun guy to be around, Caprice Coleman. I mean, despite his persona on television uh, being what it is, and he got into character a little bit in the interview, but I'll tell you, a really good guy is Caprice Coleman. Yeah, it was probably one of those uh, one of those moments, you know, for a wrestling fan like I am, that really, when you're talking to a guy that's, that's on Ring of Honor, a seasoned veteran there, and to to hear somebody be talking to you one minute like like a normal person, and and the, and the next minute when you're talking to him, he's cutting a promo just like they do on TV. That was kind of one of those surreal moments when, you know, wow, wow, I'm really, I'm really interviewing one of these guys that knows, you know, and it makes you feel like, you know, this is, this is something I always dreamed of is to be interviewing somebody and somebody cut a promo like they did on that with you. Oh gosh, it was amazing. Cause I, I was grinning from ear to ear when, when he, when he started cutting the promo, it, it just shocked me at first cause I didn't expect it, but yeah, you know, and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, too, as far as talking. But I'll still pick Preston over him anyway. Well, and, and I, well, of course, of course, the pain train. Let me tell you, um, Preston Quinn, we're going to riot for you. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Charles Jones, sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, in we, on the we, riot. We have to, you know, we, we will have to uh, <laughs> tear down the Northeast Gym if, if Preston Quinn does not win. Win with Quinn. That's what we'll say. Win with Quinn. Well, let me tell you, if I if I end up rioting with the crowd, if he does not win that match, I'm pretty sure Charles Jones will fire me. So um, let me start by saying, let me start by saying, Charles, I'm kidding. I won't do it. I promise. Unless I feel like it in the moment, in which case I apologize ahead of time. We'll turn into the NWO of Rage Wrestling, I guess. Wow, wouldn't that be something? The NWO. Well, you know, Mayhem Incorporated kind of had that potential. If you remember the teams of Asafi, 
uh, Gluteus Maximus and Benjamin Banks came out the first night and they drew some heat. Uh, they definitely drew some heat. I don't think I, I'll they got Benjamin the numbers Banks. over everybody else too. Yeah, they got the numbers. They got the titles. They got the gold and the sides. That's right. And Some big uh, boys. Yeah, and they and I think they've got the potential to kind of be that kind of uh, NWO type, um, uh, you know, uh, material. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because particularly, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the world title goes. You know, uh, if a, if a if a babyface wins the world title. Um, then that'll certainly even things out. But, I mean, can you imagine the possibility of Rage Wrestling being dominated in the early days of its of its history by uh, heels? I mean, do you think it's a possibility that a heel wins the, uh, the world title tournament? I think anything's possible. You never know. Uh, you know, you, you look at it, and a Safi could be somebody that, that wins – the tournament and, and all the gold goes to them. Um, Asafi's definitely capable of it. Uh, we saw his match that night with uh, Timmy Lurette, and he he won that match. So, you know, I mean, definitely a, a possibility that a heel could win this. Uh, and I would think Asafi would be right there at the top of, of uh, contenders. Well, but Asafi you look at somebody not... like, you know, you look at somebody like Benjamin Banks, too. Could we have somebody to to hold the tag belt and and the world heavyweight belt at the same time? That would be big. That would be absolutely big. And I, I, it'll be interesting to see if that happens, folks. We've got. I do want to say a couple things about Rage Wrestling. First and foremost, Rage Wrestling. If you've not seen a Rage Wrestling show yet, you don't want to disappoint yourself. You need to go see it. It's coming up live Saturday, November the twelfth. It's less than two weeks away, folks. Saturday. November the 12th, live from downtown Lasker, North Carolina. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. Bell time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eight matches that night, folks. Eight matches, uh, seven of them in the world title tournament. And a world champion, for the first time ever, will be crying for Rage Wrestling that night. Um, Stevie, you were at the first show. And I know we've talked a little bit about this uh, in, in our time before on this podcast. But tell our audience how great of an experience they'll have if they come out of that night. Definitely. You're the only, I mean, for the price, especially for the price you're going to pay, for $10 for adults, $5 for kids, 12 and under, you're going to definitely get more than your money's worth with the, the excitement and the action that will, that, uh, will be at a rage event, especially these tournaments, uh, the tag tournament. I don't know how you could top the tag tournament, but I'm – you know, I, I'm not putting anything past it because the same people, pretty much the same people that win the tag tournament are going to be in this singles tournament. So definitely an action-packed event. Everybody has a good time. Please come out and check it out. You know, do yourself a favor if you don't have anything to do that Saturday night or even if you do have it, something to do, cancel those plans and come out and come with an empty stomach because we're going to have plenty of food out there for you too. Uh, you'll have a great night over at Northeast. Great family entertainment. Yeah. So come on out. Folks, food and wrestling, it does not get better than that. Coming up November 12th, Lasker, North Carolina, North Academy Gymnasium, which I affectionately call Rage Arena when we get it set up that way. Uh, November yeah, come, 12th, check out, come check us out on the Eagle Tron that night, too. That's right. It's going to be a good time. And I'll tell you, 
Um, I, I, we, we will just so everyone will know, if you're not able to make it live, we will be airing live that night on a pre-show, uh, bringing you the official predictions from Stevie Fly on who wins the Rage World Championship Tournament. Not only that, but every match that night. He'll also predict a winner uh, for the championship. And, of course, we will have a post-show that will air live approximately uh, 9.45 p.m. Saturday. We'll know who the champion is. And then the uh, that upcoming Monday night, uh, we will uh, have, or perhaps Sunday, I haven't looked yet, but we always air on either Sunday or Monday. Uh, but one or the other, uh, we will interview whoever wins the World Championship Tournament. Of course, next week, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about who will win uh, the Rage Wrestling uh, Championship Tournament. We'll analyze each opening round match, and you'll hear it all from our expert, Stevie Fly, right here on Brawl for All. Well, Stevie, we, we ran over tonight. Um, yeah, and I, want to, I, want to, I want to say this real quick. I do apologize. I know we have promised everybody that Bobby Fulton would be our guest tonight. Don't know exactly what happened, but unfortunately he wasn't able to call in. Uh, as soon as we find out, we will update you on our Facebook site and let you know, uh, and maybe we can get him on another night. But I do apologize. I don't don't know any details yet, but uh, like I said, as soon as I find out, we will we will update you on our Facebook page, and I, I do apologize. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could be anything. Bobby Fulton was excited to be a part of the show tonight. Um, and I'd be completely surprised and shocked if we don't get him on the next show or or sometime in the near future. I, I think he was. I think he had talked to you and told you that he was very excited oh, yeah. to be a part. Was, so I'm sure something. He was ready uh, to go last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure something serious has come up. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we pray for that and we hope that uh, everything is good. And uh, I don't know how I don't know how we'd have fit him on. Um, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I don't know how we got him on. It had to go two and a half hours. But um, well, we talked the whole night. Yeah, of course. Your, yeah, go ahead. Get your flowers ready, Johnny Brown. I just saw the ambulance pull up on Raw to take Paul Heyman off. So get, get the flowers ready. Yeah, it looks like attempted murder to me, folks. And I'll tell you one last thing, if you don't mind, Stevie. I, I don't mean to toot my horn, but toot, toot. Toot, toot. Um, yeah, there I, you go. <laughs> yep, I called it. I told you, folks, Goldberg would spear Paul Heyman. It happened. Hear me out. WrestleMania 33, Goldberg and Brock. Excuse me. No. I totally blew that. Yeah, yeah. So Goldberg you, you and who? Who's going to fight Goldberg, Stevie? The Undertaker. You better believe it. You heard it right here on Brawl for All. Stevie, always a pleasure. Same here, buddy. All right, folks, that's all we have for you tonight right here live on Brawl for All. You have heard it first here, folks. Goldberg speared Paul Heyman, and you're going to hear a lot more. Future for the first time, right here on Brawl. Check out Always a pleasure. We'll be back next week with an exclusive interview from Ring of Honor superstar Caprice Coleman. We've had five episodes of the show, folks. Us interview Caprice Coleman right here live, Brawl for All, blogtalkradio.com. And folks, go Orioles. Oh, wait, they're not in the world. No. <laughs> it is what it is, folks. Indians or Cubs, I don't know, but guess what? America's going to be happy for somebody. God bless. We'll see you next week on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good week.
Ladies and gentlemen, 